Welcome to the MacauCast. This is actually, I think, going to be the last episode that we record before we head off to Macau, which is kind of mind-blowing to consider that um, given, you know, thinking back to when we started this project, um, when the trip seemed like something far, far away in the distant future, that it's now right around the corner, that there's a pile of stuff in my office here that's going to go into a bag that's going to go to Macau. It's at that, it's at that stage. So uh, it's pretty exciting. Uh, of course, welcome to my two co-hosts, Eric Hahn. How are you guys doing? Doing very well. How are you? I am doing well, thank you for asking. Uh, excited about this trip and um, everything that's going to unfold. We have a special guest today and uh, looking forward to this conversation. Um, Kyle from the Do For Win podcast is joining us to talk about his recent trip to Macau. Hey Kyle, how are you? I'm doing great. Uh, it's a real pleasure to be on and uh, looking forward to talking about Macau. We are very much looking forward to it as well. For folks that don't know you, I guess I spoiled it a little bit, uh, but maybe <laughs> tell, tell folks a little bit about, about who you are, about, about the podcast and, and what's going on. Sure. So my name's Kyle Askin. As Hunter said, I'm the co-host for the Do For Win podcast, which is a podcast mainly covering Atlantic City and East Coast gambling. Uh, we've been doing that for oh, three and a half years now, I'd say. Me and Craig Stone is the other co-host of the podcast. So uh, that is kind of what people would know me from the most. But certainly I just got back from a trip to Hong Kong and Macau uh, just over a week ago, actually. So that's what I'm here to talk about. Uh, I guess let's start with the most important thing. Is your jet lag gone yet? So, funnily enough, I think, so the first day I got back, the first night was just a disaster, and then the second night I actually slept really well, and I was like, oh, that was easy. Like, I'm totally over my jet lag, it was no problem, and then, you know, I, I mentioned that to a few people and was bragging about it, and then it was just a disaster last weekend, so... I think it's mostly gone now, hopefully, but I can't guarantee that it's gone. We'll just have to see how the next few days go. How, how was your experience when you were there? I remember, uh, well, I think pretty consistently on both of my previous trips, you know, I, I'm usually on Pacific Coast, West Coast time in the US mm. and uh, waking up, you know, four, three, four in the morning, Macau time and just being like, great, awesome, yeah. I'm awake now. So what was happening to me was I was basically on an every other day schedule where one day I'd have a normal amount of sleep. I'd get eight hours or whatever and wake up at a reasonably normal time for there. And then the next day I would sleep for four hours and wake up at three in the morning. And that's just what was going to happen. And it, it kept alternating. I assume I got more sleep because I was really tired because I didn't get sleep the night before. But that's basically how my trip went. It's brutal. I at least at least it's a place where uh, you know stuff is open. At least there's some stuff to do, right? If nothing, if nothing else, you can walk into a casino, I guess, and so you're not in the middle of nowhere. So I have to say, like a big difference, and just so everyone knows, my trip was I did three nights in Hong Kong and three nights in Macau, and I was very surprised in Hong Kong at how little stuff was open early in the morning. Like Hong Kong seems like a place that everything pretty much other than maybe like some dim sum places open up really late. Like it seems like if it's before 10 AM, you're not going to have a whole lot of options to do a whole lot of anything. Macau, it was totally different. It seemed like there were a lot of shops that were open when I was walking around at six in the morning in the peninsula. Uh, 
there was plenty of options there to get food or whatever. So it was much less sleepy than Hong Kong in my experience. Hey, Kyle, in your, uh, in your do for when recap, you said you switched hotels every night. So every night. Oh man. So was your scheduling like, uh, your sleep schedule, like affecting that too, or like, uh, like how you transition from uh, place to place? I don't think so. Um, yeah, I don't think that switching places really affected my sleep schedule a whole lot, but I can't guarantee it one way or the other. Okay, I'm only asking because I'm going to be doing a lot of that, too, in this upcoming trip. Mm-hmm. So uh, just wondered how, how you dealt with that. <clears throat> um, as it relates to that, I want, and I want to go back in a second and talk to you a little bit about the genesis of your, of your whole trip. But since, Han, you mentioned switching hotels... Um, Question for you, as it, you know, one of the things about switching hotels that can be a pain is that the checkout and check-in times don't align very well, right? Most of the hotels are kicking you out at 11 or 12, and most of the hotels won't let you in until 3 or 4, at least in terms of like mm-hmm. or 2 or 3 or whatever, state of, the stated times. My experience in Macau generally was no problem checking into places early. What was your experience on this trip? So the only... In Hong Kong and Macau, I basically was allowed to check in early to every property, except for the last night in Macau when I was in Galaxy. I got, <laughs> I got there at about 11 or 12, and they said that they didn't have rooms available yet. So That's funny. That was exactly the one place that didn't let me check in early either. <laughs> um, that must be a thing for them, I guess. That's funny. Well, I'm glad that that's easier because, I, you know, on this trip, I'm switching hotels a few times. I know, Han, you're switching hotels. And, Eric, I, I keep forgetting what the hell you're doing with your hotel schedule. <laughs> but, um, you know, that's one of the things that's always kind of a potentially a pain. So I'm, I'm fingers crossed um, that uh, it won't be too bad this time around. Uh, well, let's go back to the beginning of this whole thing. Wh- when did you start planning this trip and, and what made you want to go to Macau? So something that I did was, you know, I absolutely listened to you guys on 88 Days talk about your last trips. And I actually announced my trip before you guys had announced your trips. I know, I think Han and Eric can both tell you that they were surprised because they had been privately planning this trip before announcing it when I announced on my podcast that I was going to go to Macau. Um. So it was just something I was really interested in. And going to Hong Kong was was a big draw for me, too. I don't know if I would have done it if it was just Macau that I did. So because, you know, Hong Kong is, I, I put it on, on due for a win. I think it's the cityest city that I've ever been to. I mean, I don't think there's any other way to describe it. But it was spectacular and it was something I was really interested in doing. And, you know, the fact that Macau was right there and, you know, obviously I'm a gambling aficionado it, it seemed like a thing i had to do hey kyle i was i was more surprised than anything that you had booked it during chinese new year and i, I mean I, I was like what this guy must uh <laughs> must be really bold and uh want to want an adventure well so i was actually really surprised i booked it during chinese new year too so this how it came together was me and one of my good friends andy who's less of a gambling fan and more of a travel packer, I guess. We're looking into flights and we just noticed that there were, you know, award seats available in business class around these times. And we're like, hey, you know, February is going to have a lot better weather than March or April. So I think it's reasonable to look at it. And 
you know, we found these open dates and decided to pull the trigger and then announced. And then Yuhan and a couple other people were like, hey, you know, that's during Chinese New Year. I don't think that's a good idea. But at that point, it had already been booked and, you know, we'd planned it. And so we were going to do it. Nice. No, I think it's funny that you mentioned um, Andy not being um, quite the gambling fan that you may be. It actually, so I've, I've met Andy a couple of times. He's a hell of a mm-hmm. nice guy. I really like him. I actually thought to myself when I heard that you were going with Andy, why the heck is Andy flying all the way to Macau? So Hong Kong, I'm assuming, was the bigger draw? Uh, I think so. I think Andy was actually quite interested in Macau. And we went with a third friend, Greg, who you haven't met, Eric. But he's one of my friends from the when I lived on the West Coast. Oh, very so cool. he met us out. We he met us out there, and I think Hong Kong was the big draw for him. And our original plan was actually two nights in Hong Kong and four nights in Macau. And and Greg was the one who was like, maybe we should do three and three. And I, I'm glad I did three and three, honestly, because there's plenty of stuff to see in Hong Kong. Yeah, we uh, we obviously spend a lot of time talking about Macau on this podcast, but Hong Kong is amazing. Um, I, I, maybe I've said this before, but I, I need to spend more time there. I always get sucked into doing Macau things, uh, and when Hong Kong is there and I haven't spent nearly enough time in Hong Kong proper as I should, and I would like to go back and do a Hong Kong only trip maybe sometime. I don't know. Well, someday. I'll take bets against that ever happening. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Fine. Probably right. Um, you mentioned, not to just be weighed into total boring town territory, but you mentioned uh, the weather. Weather is a factor for that part of the world at certain points of the year, at least for, for me. Um, how was it? Was it super humid? Was it okay? What, what was that like? It was nice. It didn't really rain a whole lot. Like Sometimes it was misty and drizzly, which I think just happens year-round there. But uh, it was between like 65 and 75. I didn't think it was super humid. Then again, I live on the East Coast, and I think East Coasters have a different definition of humidity than West Coasters do. So, fair enough. Well, that's good. I'm, you know, as you as you said, as you march, as time marches on, it gets progressively worse. So hopefully, it won't be too bad when we're there. But we'll see. Hopefully, March should be fine. And and the big thing I wanted to avoid was it seems like April is the month that it really turns from dry season into wet season there, and that's what I wanted to avoid. So yeah, don't go in June. It's very, very hot. <laughs> So you started in, if I've got the, the timeline right, you started in Hong Kong and spent some time there. And then you, the second part of the trip was in Macau. So uh, yep. we, can, we can circle back to Hong Kong, I guess, if, if we want to talk about that. But let's focus on the Macau stuff for now. So you, you took the ferry, right? That's how you got over to Macau? Right. So we actually were considering taking the bus because just, you know, the bridge is brand new and we were interested in seeing it. But given that it was... Chinese New Year, I was really concerned about what the wait would be for the bus. And the fact that we're coming from Hong Kong Island, it's just so convenient to take the ferry straight over to Macau. We've talked about the the bridge too, and I, I don't know, I, I'm very interested in it, but it just still, I haven't, I guess what I really want is like a, someone that's done it to literally write out step-by-step instructions because it doesn't sound that bad, but there's, there's um, I don't know, I've also heard enough people say it's confusing to go which way and where so who knows yeah i think my understanding is there's two ways to do it you can get buses that kind of go straight through from like let's say downtown hong kong into macau or you can do the thing where you take a bus to the airport and then transfer there to a different bus that just goes across the bridge and then you transfer to like the hotel bus once you're over the bridge 
probably doing ferry ferry trip this time. So you you got on the ferry. You had a, a luxurious ferry ride. Um, <laughs> the most luxurious, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, so you were going to starting in the peninsula, right? So the you peninsula. Went to the outer ferry terminal. Okay. So we took we took the turbo jet to the outer ferry terminal, and then we took got to take the Kotai water jet back to the airport afterwards. So. I would like to focus in depth on the Holiday Inn Diamond Casino. Uh, <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> I actually didn't know. I, I knew that there was a Holiday Inn somewhere, but I have not visited this place. Um, uh-huh. I actually had to go figure out where it was. It's actually really close it's, to, um, you know, like all the other casinos on the peninsula yeah. there. I thought the location was awesome. Yeah, it's not far from, say, the Lisboa or whatever. It's right in the main strip of the peninsula with all the little shops and everything. You had a, a vivid description on, on your show related to smoking in the yes. casino there, which I thought was hilarious. Uh, I, I'll let you recount that because you can probably tell it better than I can. Right. So you'll notice in Macau, I guess one of the big things is that there is no smoking in the casinos there. But for the most part, they have little smoking rooms that you can go in if you need to smoke. And I, I guess that the Holiday Inn, that the Diamond Inn did not have that. Or if they did, people just ignored it and decided to smoke in the bathroom instead. So I walked into the bathroom to go to the bathroom and there was like three guys just standing around smoking in the bathroom right next to a big no smoking sign. And there was a sink that they had like plugged and were just using as a giant ashtray that was literally half full of cigarette butts. Oh dear God. Which is much better than throwing it in the trash can and making a fire, I guess. So (laughs) (laughs) the way that that's, that definitely uh, painted a vivid picture in my mind. You talked about the the place, the holiday Inn. I I went, Oh, hi Siri. Siri, stop. (laughs) (laughs) that's funny uh the way that it was described it i definitely had a a terrible mental picture of this place i looked at some photos online doesn't look it looks fine it was perfectly fine so I don't know how much you want to go into this, but one of the big things that hamstrung me during going during Chinese New Year, and this affected me much more in Macau than in Hong Kong, was the prices were just outrageous. I don't know if you guys looked at what the prices were around the time I went, but they were absolutely ridiculous. So I had to basically just pick and choose and just get in wherever I could at under $200 a night, which this Holiday Inn was barely under, and that was just because I bought points instead of booking just the cash rate, just because buying points and using them were basically half the price of just booking this room, which would have been like 350 or $400 if I just paid the cash price for it. Wow. Yeah, I, I did do a little bit of price shopping way back when, before I knew when I might take this trip. And um, yeah, I mean, between super high prices and just general unavailability, yeah. right? I mean, a lot of the hotels right. were just completely booked. Yeah, that was that was another thing for sure. Like... You know, both of the wins were had no availability the entire time I was there. Both the MGMs had no availability the entire time I was there. So, yeah, there was definitely not that many casinos. And even if they were available, I'm not going to pay $1,000 a yeah. night for a hotel room. Yeah. So, Obviously, you use IHG points to do this. That's pretty. That's mm-hmm. a pretty good deal. I, I assume you use points in, uh, in your other two nights, too? Or, like, like what, what were you doing? Because I'm, I'm just curious uh, how you... Uh, you managed to stay during Chinese New Year because I, I I would never do it because uh, of the cost. So let me I'll, I'll tell you, I tell you the three places I stayed and then we'll, we'll talk about it. So yeah, I so I bought IHG points because I think Holiday Inn was either thirty five thousand IHG points or forty thousand, and they had a big sale where it was basically fifty cents a point that I paid. So it was like one hundred and ninety dollars to buy the points and then put them towards the room. Um, 
so that's what I did for the Holiday Inn. The second night, I stayed way down the very bottom of Cologne, Kalwane. I don't know how exactly to pronounce that, but it was a tiny little, it was a Posada. Basically, it's a Portuguese inn that was way out of the way. So I just was able to book cash rates there for like $150. And it was actually a pretty cool experience. And then Galaxy, the last night, it it seemed like the last night or maybe the day that we left is when prices started going back down towards normal. So I was able to book Galaxy for like $150. But, you know, usually I think it's like $95 or something like that during the week. So... So, okay, so you started... All right, this is great. We can sort of go bit by bit. This will work out well. Mm-hmm. So you started on the peninsula. Yep. Um, I'm from from what you said on your show, uh, both in the run-up and in the return, it sounded like you got to do some exploring. How did you find the peninsula? Give us some of your impressions. So I thought the peninsula was super cool. And I, I don't know what my expectations were going into Macau. For some reason, I think I must have seen like a lot of pictures of like Kaluane Village or whatever, because that's I assume that's what Macau is like. And it really wasn't. It was just like a mini version of Hong Kong, more or less, with high rises everywhere. But I really love the peninsula. I thought it was super cool. I mean, it's, you know, the big buildings all around you and all the neat little walkways and alleys and shops everywhere. Like I, I had a really great time just seeing the non-gambling parts of the peninsula. So I thought it was definitely cool. You know, Ruins of St. Paul. It was crazy when I was there because of Chinese New Year, but it was neat to see. I, yeah, I got to do some on-foot exploration. um, And it was, I agree, it's just super fun, especially, you know, those, like, those tiny little alleyways. And it's just, it's this super densely packed, really parts of it, super ancient, you know, city. um, And the really interesting uh, sort of, hybrid of Portuguese influence and Chinese influence. I don't know. I, the peninsula, I still think my favorite part of Macau by far. It, and, and that was my impression too. I, I absolutely love the peninsula and that would be the part that I'd be the most interested in going back and saying. Yeah. So you got a chance to tour sort of like the big, there's casinos all over the peninsula, but there's, you know, a, a couple of big sort of blocks where there's a bunch of the maybe more famous ones, mm-hmm. the Grand Lisboa, Lisboa, Wynn, uh, MGM, uh, you got a chance to check out these places. Uh, what did you think? I mean, especially, I'm really interested. I'm trying to sit in for the audience, maybe a little bit, who have been to Las Vegas or Atlantic City or both. Um, they have some, uh, you know, experience with, especially the American operators. How did it compare to what you expected? What What was? What did you think? So. Just kind of going through from, I didn't see nearly all the casinos in the peninsula. For one thing, there's like a million casinos on the peninsula, like most of them pretty small, I think. But, you know, I tried to see the major ones, at least the major Western ones. So the main thing I noticed about Lisboa and Grand Lisboa, I mean, of course, that they're just beautiful buildings with beautiful lobbies. And I mean, that's what they're known for. Uh, They were absolutely insane when we were there, just with the number of you know, mainland Chinese, I assume that were just, they were packed in there and it was just even hard to move around on the casino floor. Uh, but it was pretty cool. Um, my impression of both wins, honestly, both the peninsula and Kotai were, they were to me very similar to the win in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. And I actually really liked both MGMs. I thought they were laid out pretty cool and I thought they were really neat buildings and, I enjoyed my time in them. I didn't gamble in either of the MGMs, but walking around, I thought they they seemed pretty neat and were 
different than I didn't feel like I was in Vegas necessarily when I was in the MGMs. Right, interesting. In a way that I did when I was in the win. Yeah, win. I I know what you mean. I mean, I definitely felt like that. Um, it was weird. The the be, having been to both of the win properties in Vegas more times than I can count. Being in a different win, it was like all the same design language, but everything was in a different place. It was a weird cognitive dissonance. It was sort of strange. Right. But it definitely felt very similar. Um, you visited, I know you visited Star Worlds, which I stayed at last time I was there. Uh, what did you think of Star World? So I, I might be slightly jaded, well, jaded's not the right word, but I might be influenced by how the gambling went at Star World, <laughs> which was absolutely fantastic. Nice. But uh, I, I really thought Star World was pretty cool, and I enjoyed my time there. I mean, we, I was only there for a few hours, but I thought it was a pretty fun casino, and I, I will say that none of Star World or Win Macau or MGM Macau were anywhere near as insane as the Lisboa and Grand Lisboa casinos were in terms of the number of people there. So. Interesting. How did you find the gaming conditions generally um, on the peninsula in terms of, like, do you remember limits and mm -hmm. game mix? I mean, I guess game mix probably doesn't change that much. Baccarat all the time, but yeah. uh, <laughs> limits and whatnot. So... In Star World specifically, because I was looking, yeah, everything there is like 90% Baccarat at least, I'd, I'd say. And every place has at least one sick bow table, if not a couple. But other than that, like you'll usually see a couple blackjack tables. I know Star World had two blackjack tables, and I think that's it. And they were $300 a hand, uh, which is, I guess, probably pretty normal. I assume that's what it is most of the time at Star World. I, I'm not sure yeah. if it gets below that. And to clarify, that's 300 Hong Kong dollars, right? Correct. Okay. You're right. right. So it's like $40 US, more or less. And you were playing blackjack there? Is that what I... So I, I was playing blackjack at, at Star World, and that's... Uh, the Diamond Inn had $100 for basically everything. Nice. <laughs> because it's the Diamond Inn, and it's, <laughs> you know... It's the dive casino, I guess, in, in Macau. Um, everything's auto-shuffler there, right? Yeah, I didn't see anywhere that was hand-shuffle, whether it be Baccarat or Blackjack. Okay, and so it's continuous shuffling, and mm -hmm. you're just applying basic strategy, I assume, because I know you're quite a gambler, Correct. and, and uh, it was just working out for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm not a card counter, usually, so I've always just used basic strategy or what I believe to be basic strategy. I mean, I don't even know it. Absolutely stone-cold, but... The things that I might guess on, I'm sure that either decision I would make would be pretty close. Nice. How busy? How busy was Blackjack? I mean, I, I in, were you sitting with other folks? Were you the only one there? So I will say, all the tables I I gambled at basically for the entire time I was in Macau, or at least other than in the Diamond Inn, where they had like basically one of each kind of table, other than Baccarat where I kind of had to try to wedge myself in. Like I was basically the first person to sit down at these tables, but then usually pretty quickly I drew a very large crowd of people to the table. Mm -hmm. Like they should have given me some kickbacks or something because I know <laughs> I definitely increased the action at these tables because I think I was a bit exotic and a bit of a, a spectacle, especially when I eventually played Baccarat down in Katai. But uh, yeah, I was the first person to sit down at the blackjack table, and it was the same thing when I started playing baccarat down in in Kutai. So, were, were you the only visibly white person around? Is that um, is that why? So, in in other parts of Macau, 
I certainly saw other white people like near the ruins or whatever walking around on the streets. But in the casinos, I think I was probably or at least the three of us were the only visibly white people around. Nice. And on your podcast, you you were joking, I assume, that you're part Asian or I assume that's a joke. Or are you actually part Asian? I, I, I mean, I am part Asian, but. Oh, uh, yeah, <laughs> I did not know I'm a, that. It's, uh, only a quarter. So okay. I, I appear to be white. <laughs> Okay, cool. <laughs> very, very cool. All right. Uh, all right. Um, Eric, you want to weigh in on some of the gambling here or questions? Well, yeah. So <clears throat> on uh, Doofer, when you had mentioned how people kind of crowded around you and were betting on you, is this mm-hmm. like the uh, the rectangle uh, yes. betting spaces? The, the, bet, the bet boxes are rectangular, so they will stack them. You know, I guess up to four is like the number of bets that will fit in the rectangle. And then people will also place their bets on top of yours if they want to bet under the table limit. Like that's just right. a thing that happens but, there. So, But whoever is at the table is in control of the hand regardless of right. action Correct. behind it, right? Correct. Okay. And do they ask you to bet behind or is it just like, ah, I'm going to do that or whatever? Is it? Uh, I mean, there was... I don't think we spoke the same language, but, you know, I think they kind of, like, made a motion, and I'm like, yeah, go for it. <laughs> okay. Like, I don't care. <laughs> That's interesting. No, I remember hap- this happening to me the f- for the first time at, at Foxwoods, and uh, it was a Chinese-speaking person, and, and she just bet behind me without asking, and I was like, uh, um, okay, and and uh, I just rolled with it, but I, I assume this is a cultural thing, uh, and, and yeah. the, way, the way that you're talking about it is that they were... Uh, thinking of you as good luck or something, and they they kept betting behind you. Yeah, like I I mentioned on on my podcast that certainly like one guy came up and bought in for three thousand at Star World and put it behind me all on one hand and lost and walked away. But. Yikes! <laughs> I had people at the Venetian put in their slot cards while I was playing, sitting idly at a slot machine and playing without asking me, which I thought was a little bit gnarly. But they yeah, just... that's that, that's a bit more rude, I think. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was an experience for sure. Hey, hey, Kyle, how did you transfer from the peninsula to Koh Tai? Uh, we, took a, we took a taxi. Uh, w- relatively simple? Yeah, it was, it was straightforward. So the taxi driver, I don't think, spoke English, but we actually went straight from the peninsula down, all the way down to our hotel down at the bottom of Kowane. And, what did, and what did I pulled mean? it up on my phone, and it had the Chinese characters on it, too. Because I had internet on my phone and on Google Maps, it had the English and the Chinese characters for the place. Uh, what did that run, the taxi? Uh, it was from the peninsula all the way down to the very bottom of Kolowane. It was like 135 which is like 15 bucks. Okay. All 18 right. bucks. So it's not terribly expensive. Okay, because I'm rearranging my room choices and I'm, I'm going to be staying predominantly in the peninsula. Uh, mm-hmm. But I want to spend a fair amount of time in Kotai. Um, so you're telling me a cab is just a... It's e- cheap. Yeah, okay. It's cheap and it's easy. And especially if you have the Chinese characters of where you want to go, they'll just take you there. And Yeah, the doorman too will, will write stuff. If you tell mm-hmm. them, I want to go to whatever, they will write the Chinese characters on a little card and give it to the taxi driver. Oh, awesome. Um, yeah, so that, that, <laughs> that saved me a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. So you, for your second night, you go all the way down to the very bottom of mm-hmm. the whole, uh, the whole the, the island. Yep. Yeah. To, you know, there's not, a, there's, is, I don't even know if there's any gambling down there, but it's no, very, I don't it's, think so. Yeah. I don't think so either. It's a very different vibe, right? It's, 
it's uh, you know a lot of I guess there's a lot of green everywhere, but it's much less built up, and um, there's some really charming old stuff down there. How how was that experience? Yeah, I I thought it was awesome, and especially given that we went from. Hong Kong Island one day straight to the peninsula just having that kind of day what was a bit quieter like I, I thought it was really great but it depends on what you want to do so when we were down there like the two things we did were that night we walked or the I guess it was afternoon when we got there we walked over to uh, Hacksaw which is one of the beaches down there and there was a walking path basically between the hotel we were in and and Hacksaw, which was a very strange place. <laughs> All of Macau really is kind of a strange place where it's like you have multi-million dollar mansions right next to like what look like tenements and you know, it's just like a really crazy contrast between the two. Yeah. But uh so we went to Fernando's down down there and ate dinner, which was one of the, I guess, famous Portuguese places around. And I, I know you had mentioned Hunter that you went to uh uh, Miramar, which is not too far away from there either. Yeah, I've been to both. Um, they're both okay. they're both good. Yeah, um, different kind of vibe. I liked. I enjoyed both. I would recommend either to folks. I think Fernando's mm. is probably a little bit easier to get to. Right. Um, but neither is particularly difficult to get to. But yeah, I, I enjoy both. Kyle, did you go to Lo- Lo- Lord Stowe's down there? Or? So so yeah, the next day. So we woke up the next morning and we actually walked to Kalan Village and we went to the original Lord Stowe's and got an egg tart and I actually got some cookies and for the family as one of the gifts there as well. So that's actually that's one of the things my wife was asking. What can I bring back for my coworkers? And well, I don't know. Egg yeah. tarts. I guess cookies is not a bad idea. Cookies from Lord Stowe's. They're, they're yeah, good. Right. So Good to know. Uh, so anyway. Yeah, I, go ahead. I, just quickly. So like, yeah, Kolane Village is, it was like a very sleepy little village on, have you been there, Hunter? I have. I've only briefly. So I got mm-hmm. a, a, I haven't never stayed down there. So I got a, a driving tour um, where we walked around a tiny bit. So I, I've sort of been around, but not very, haven't spent very much time there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's like a very sleepy, small little village. And that's, like I said, I think I must have been looking at all pictures of that when I was imagining what Macau was like, which was, it's not like that everywhere else, but it was neat. I mean, it was a cool place to visit. I don't think there's a ton to do there, but yeah. went to the original Lord Stowe's, so. It's cool. I, I I enjoyed visiting. I don't know if I personally would want to stay down there because I'm, I guess, more into the hustle and bustle stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a very different vibe, but there's a bunch of places to stay down there. Some really, some cool spots. And uh, it's, if you want to go and, and relax, I think it's probably a really good spot. Yeah. I mean, I, certainly there's, there's a couple of big resorts down there. There, what used to be the Westin is right near uh, Miramar. I think it's like, I don't know exactly what it's called now, but uh, oh, Grand Kalane resort is right down there. And there's a few more kind of big places like that. So you pack up your stuff and you say, I need to go gamble. Where can yep. I get, take me to the nearest casino, sir. And you end up at galaxy, <laughs> at galaxy. for your last night. So let's talk about Kotai. So what, what, what was your experience with Kotai? I guess with galaxy, with the other spots that you visited. Yep. So just briefly, just for Eric or anyone else who's interested. So how we got to galaxy was we actually just hopped on the bus, which was I don't know if you've taken many buses out there, but they're super convenient. They cost six Macanese dollars, so it's like 75 cents. And uh, yeah, they're pretty direct depending on where you want to go. And it's an easy thing to do. And it's good enough for the locals, so it's good enough for me. 
I have it. That's good to know, though, because I was interested in maybe going down there um, and, you know, was thinking about different options. So it's good to know that the, the bus system works and is, you know, yeah. easy enough to navigate. Yeah, it was easy. So we took the bus back from Fernando's to our hotel the night before, and then we took the bus up to Galaxy. Do you need patakas for that? Uh, I, I don't think they really care. It's actually just like a slot. And you like can probably put like washers in, and they'll be happy. Like <laughs> they don't really seem too uptight about it a whole lot down there. But I, I, I used Hong Kong, and they were fine with it. That's funny. Nice. <laughs> is the is the Hong Kong dollar and the pataka running at a one to one? So the way it always is is I think that it's like one point oh three patakas for one Hong Kong, but it's not. In my opinion, it's not worth trying to get patakas just because they're going to be impossible to exchange afterwards. And the 3%, it's, I, I, I mean, depending on how much cash you're spending, it's just not worth worrying about. Right. Got yeah. It. And I, you don't really, I mean, I guess if you get change from like a taxi, you could be like me and on your very last day get change out of a big, a couple of big bills with a taxi guy and end up with many patakas you bring home for no reason because um, you have nothing to do with them because as you said you can't really exchange them don't do that um but uh yeah i i i, well, I guess it's avoid them if you can and they're there as long as you're aware you should be able to get rid yeah of them. for the most part i think in like supermarkets or whatever if you give them hong kong they will try to give you hong kong and change if they can if they have it but you can expect to get a bunch of patakas and change for the most part regardless of if you give them Patakas or Hong Kong. So you end up at Galaxy. Um, yep. They don't let you check in because they <laughs> right. that's how they roll. Um, <laughs> so you do some exploring? Yeah, so we drop our bags off and basically walk around and see the rest of the casinos in Kotai. So just for people who know, like the way that it's laid out there. The path we took is we walked from Galaxy to Venetian and then down through the Four Seasons and through the Parisian to Studio City and then went across the street and checked out the Sands. And we actually ate lunch in the food court in the Sands, which I talked a little bit about on our podcast, and then went through the Sands to MGM to win, rode the gondolas, and then walked back through City of Dreams back to Galaxy. Anything stand out to you or strike you as particularly interesting? Um... I think, in my opinion, Kotai is much more similar to Las Vegas than anything on the peninsula is, really. With the possible exception that I mentioned that Wynn in both places kind of seemed like very similar to the Wynn in Las Vegas. But I don't think anything really jumped out at me. I actually thought MGM Kotai was a beautiful building inside. Like, that was, I think, the most stunning property for me that I walked through. Did you get to walk through or under or around Morpheus, the the new tower at City of Dreams? Did you get to see that? I, I saw it from the outside, but I think when we were walking inside of City of Dreams, we didn't get to really, you know, we didn't tend to walk into many of the hotel lobbies or anything. So Got it. we did not walk into the lobby of Morpheus or anything like that. Actually, City of Dreams, it was weird walking through it. Somehow we got stuck in this, like, giant duty-free store that seemed to go on forever. And we're just like, get me out of this duty-free store. Why am I here? I know exactly what you're talking about, yes. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's funny. Hey, Kyle, on your show, you you gave this... Uh, you gave me an amazing uh, mental image of you boxing people out in the food court. 
to oh. make sure that uh, you were able to secure a table. Can you talk about that a little bit? What what was that situation like? What should we expect there? And uh, do I need to throw elbows? Because I will. Yeah, I mean, so I don't know if it's always like this, but certainly my experience in both Hong Kong and in Macau were there were many places that had a lot of food options, kind of like a mall food court. And there was a common seating area and the common seating area seemed to always to be full. I don't know if that was a byproduct of Chinese new year, if it's just always full and just the way it works is you need to take a position and do a patrol and wait for the first sign that someone is going to get up and then go and make yourself big around that area and try to fight off anyone else who tries to sit down there. That's not so difficult for me to do. (laughs) (laughs) And then you kind of like wave your arm because all these places have like janitors or cleaning staff or whatever that will come clear off the table for you once you've claimed it as your own, but you need to sit down at it first. It's definitely a thing. I, I mean, I'm sure that it was probably exacerbated by Chinese New Year and being extra busy. But, um, yeah, you, you do the whole, like, uh, personal space thing. No, and yeah. That's not a thing. No. Um, <laughs> you just kind of got to get in there. <laughs> hey, was that food court where uh, the Shrek stuff is? Or, or my... uh, I, I think that sounds right. There's a gigantic children's store right next to it, okay. if, if I remember. But, yeah, it was at the top of... Well, it's a couple floors up in the sands. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. I think I remember now. It was good. All the food over there was honestly very good. Yeah. I mean, we've only, we sort of touched on food here and there a bit. Um, any standouts food wise? Um, I mean, I think anything related to kind of like dim sum or pork rolls, or I think were a big standout for me. I all thought it was all pretty delicious. Um, you're going to be eating a lot of pork over there, I think. I mean, that's just culturally what, what they do. Uh, egg tarts were good. I mean, I don't, I don't think anything changed my life or anything, but I, I did really enjoy the pork rolls. I think that was my, my favorite thing. Hunter, you are asking the least foodie person I know yes. about food. <laughs> so, Well, <laughs> fair, fair enough. But still, I gave the right answer. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I know that you, uh, maybe didn't get to explore type as much as you would have liked, but did visit sort of the old, the old, old town. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. What Paper was that Village. like for folks that haven't been there? Uh, so it's, it's cool. It, it's, it reminded me a lot of a million different places on the peninsula. Mm-hmm. Honestly, like it seemed like a miniaturized version of what a lot of the peninsula is just, you know, three or four streets next to each other that are small that everyone walks around with a ton of shops and food places and stuff, but right. it's a neat place. And if you're staying in galaxy or, you know, the red surge, like any of the properties at galaxy, it's worth walking across the street and checking out. Yeah. Very easy to get to, especially if you're at galaxy. So did you get yep. to Altira over there? I, I did not okay. like, I, I did not get to explore any of Taipa at all other than the old Taipa right across the street from galaxy. Got it. And that's kind of the biggest regret I have is that I just didn't see a whole lot of typo. Missed out on the racetrack. Um, yep. So Galaxy, I'm curious what your thoughts were on Galaxy because I, I, you know, they're an operator that probably most American casino goers have never experienced. Um, mm-hmm. The complex is huge. With many <laughs> it's different so big. What and did you, go, what did you and getting bigger. <laughs> yeah, right. What did you think? I, I thought it was really a very nice property. And 
I mean, I think for the most part, the casino floors at all of the Kotai casinos were very nice, and Galaxy was no exception, but the only hotel I can really talk about is Galaxy, given that's the only one I stayed in, and I I thought it was really, really nice, and I thought that the base room I was in was comparable to any of the nicest rooms that I've been in 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 Las Vegas, so. I don't know. They have this amazing pool deck, too. I don't know how much February is pool weather, but. It it actually closes every winter, so it was not open when we were there. Too bad. I mean, it's. Uh, I didn't experience it firsthand, but uh, it it looks pretty. It looks pretty it looks amazing for sure. Yeah, it is definitely amazing. I got to experience it firsthand. It is nice. something you should do if you can. Um, although you'll be surrounded by children splashing you. So mm, especially, love that. Especially if you do the lazy river or the uh, the wave pool. It's it's like it's like the best of I would say both MGM Grand and and Mandalay Bay in Vegas all in one complex. Mm-hmm. So. You say Galaxy, you yep. hopefully win all of their money. I, I did actually win some of their money. So wow. at this point, Baccarat was still a little bit intimidating to me. So I played that night. I played video Baccarat for around, I don't know, three or four hours probably to get my courage up to go sit down at a Baccarat table and play, uh, which I don't know why I was nervous about it. I mean, you just flip the cards over and i think that's normal though i definitely felt that and i talking with the folks that i traveled with in the past that was a common theme so i don't think that's just you i I don't know i was just i was just worried about doing something wrong doing something wrong yeah (laughs) but in retrospect i don't think there was anything to be worried about No, right (laughs) so uh yeah i played video baccarat for a while and probably broke about even and then it was actually the next day that right before I left that uh, there was a $500 table open. And that, that was the low limit for, I think basically all of these casinos that I saw was $500 a hand, which is like 60, $65 us. And so I saw an open table and I sat down at it and I'm like, all right, no one's around. So nothing too bad can happen. And then of course, immediately after I sat down, there was like three rows deep around the table. <laughs> <laughs> So were you the big player then, and and you could touch the cards because you seem yeah. to talk about that at the on your yeah. Practice. So yeah. so they they also had baccarat where you don't get to touch the cards, but I was like, there's no reason to do that. I'll just play video baccarat if if that's what we're gonna have because it seems the same to me if I'm not touching the cards. So I sat down at a real touchy baccarat table. Touchy, touchy, yes. <laughs> Touch the cards. We, we we call it a squeeze game, but okay. touch, touchy works. T- t- a touchy game. A touchy game. <laughs> so some, some people go to jail for playing a touchy game. <laughs> Just throwing. Not in Macau. Okay. <laughs> so oh, your okay. your trip starts to come to a close here. So then you make your way to the ferry terminal, head back to Hong Kong, or what happens next? So so we make our way to the ferry terminal. This time, the one in Taipa. And we take the ferry straight back to the airport. Uh-huh. And the advantage of that is that you don't need to re-enter the country or the SAR of Hong Kong again. So you save yourself an entry and an exit into Hong Kong by going straight to the airport. Right. Hmm. And then home, or was that was that the end of the end of that, your journey? That's it. Home. How was your flight? We've talked a little bit about flights on this uh, on this podcasts i i yeah so i guess how how was your fight did you cry in the bathroom <laughs> it was very long so i was in business both ways uh 
and I flew, but I flew nonstop both ways from Dulles to Hong Kong, and Hong Kong back to Dulles. You're on Cathay. Yes. Nice. How long of a trip is that? It was like fifteen and a half there, and like fourteen and a half back, or something. It was a long flight. So, what? So you, now that you've done this, uh, how, what's what's your opinion of Macau now? I guess versus what it was. Do you think of it more highly, less highly? Want to go back? Don't ever want to go back? Tell people never to go there. What's what's where are you at with this? I'd, I'd definitely love to do it again. I mean, I have two small children, and this was kind of like something I saved all of my marriage equity for for a while to, to try to do this. You know, I haven't been to Las Vegas in over five years, which is something else I really enjoy. But, you know, like I, this is something I saved my equity for for a while and cashed in. So it's going to be a while before I get to go back, I think. But I would definitely love to do it. And I, if I do it again, I will probably pick some other places in southeast asia or you know that part of the world to check out as well because it's one of those things i don't think i would go back just to go to macau i'd probably want to see one or two other things as well if i was going to make the 15 hour flights but it was it was a cool experience and i'm I'm really glad i did it can we talk about hong kong for a couple of minutes of course one thing i want to make sure that we get to before we end is i'm just curious um and maybe this can all roll into Hong Kong as well. You, you went with some friends. I don't know what their, if it was their first time, if they've been before, but I mean, did any, what did you get from them? Did they appreciate it? Did they hate it? I mean, just curious how that went too. So both of the friends I went with have actually been to Hong Kong before, but neither of them had been to Macau at all, which I don't think is that odd given that Macau is pretty small and not a whole lot of people go out of their way to, to go there, especially Westerners, I don't think. So, but they'd both been to Hong Kong before, so they kind of knew what to expect, but they obviously both thought highly enough of it that they were very interested in going back and and seeing more of it. Nice. Uh, So what was your experience in Hong Kong? Uh, I, so I really thought Hong Kong was great. Like I said, it it is the cityest city that I've ever been in. It is just massive and sprawling. And I think there are places in other major cities I've been in that, you know, are like Hong Kong in some way, but the thing that's special about Hong Kong is it just keeps going, right? It's like it is, but continuously. I saw some photos of you in Hong Kong at a racetrack. Did you get to bet <laughs> on the horses? I, d- I did. So, you know, we, we, so we went over Chinese New Year, and so we had a couple things we wanted to do the first couple days there. So we landed and we stayed in Kowloon uh, the first night at Intercontinental, the not the main one, but the Grand Stanford, which is a couple blocks up. It's like slightly worse position, but we stayed there and went out and, and watched the fireworks over Victoria Harbor, which are a pretty big deal for Chinese New Year. And then the second day we went out to the new territories, to the big race course there, not Happy Valley, unfortunately, but there's another race course in hong kong that we went to that they have a big new year's rate like horse races and that place was packed i mean i would guess there were a hundred thousand people in there and it was crazy but it was it was cool and we've been on some horses and lost but it was a lot of fun what was the actual gambling experience like at the racetrack was it any Uh, different than a than a u.s racetrack yeah so at u.s racetracks i mean there's one that's five minutes away and we go not too infrequently what I'm used to is you go up to a terminal and you put cash in and you pick the race, pick whatever you want to bet on, pick the horse, and it prints you tickets, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. It was 
a bit different in Hong Kong, and I was never able to do it at a terminal because you needed some special card to make these bets, and it was a card I didn't have. Uh, there was a slot for bank card, so I tried using my debit card to see if that worked, and it, it didn't. So I had to actually go to a window to make my bets, but once you go to the window, it's the same as it is did making they, a bet at a window in the English? States. Um, so you would fill out a form before you went up there that said what you bet on. So I, I think in Hong Kong, it seemed like most people did speak English if they need it or just enough at least to get by or to grab someone who can help you. But uh, Right, but for placing a wager, like y- you can't be off in the uh, either in your language or in their understanding right. of what you're saying. Right. Everyone I dealt with at the racetrack spoke enough English to do what they needed to do. Okay. I can't say that everyone does for sure, but everyone I dealt with did. So this is something that I plan on doing while in Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. Is is it, um, I mean, you know me well enough. Is this a must do or was it just kind of, it, it checked a box, but if you go back, you won't do it again. Um, so something I'd really like to do is I, I would love to see Happy Valley because that's in like right on Hong Kong Island, like right downtown basically. Mm-hmm. So I think that would be really cool. Uh, you know, the race course we went to was out in Sha Tin, out in the New Territories. It's like kind of in the boondocks of Hong Kong, which means it's in like, you know, what would be the most built up part of any other city that I've ever been to. But for Hong Kong, it was the boondocks. Uh, I, you know, I, w- I don't think I'd go back to Sha Tin race course, but if I could, I would absolutely go to Happy Valley and, and do one of the races there because I think that's supposed to be a cool experience. Do you know right. if the races are running every day or is it only for certain days? It's uh, once a week for both of them. I think for the most part, Happy Valley is either like Wednesday or Thursday nights. Okay. And then I think the new territory, the Shaten race course, it's like Saturday during the day or something like that. But like I said, because it was Chinese New Year, this ske- it had a special schedule and there were no races at all the whole time we were in Macau or Hong Kong at Happy Valley. Got so it, yeah. this Shaten race was the only opportunity. Hmm. Okay. What other things did you do in Hong Kong that were uh, noteworthy or, you know, something you would recommend others do? So I I mentioned on the podcast, I think the most interesting thing I did, maybe the entire trip was try to go to like an authentic dim sum place. And that was a place that basically no one spoke English, but it's okay because you just point on the cart and they give you something and stamp your Mm -hmm. sheet or whatever. So that was a pretty cool experience. And I, you know, there was a bunch of old Chinese ladies sitting at the same table as us, like kind of laughing at everything we were doing, I think, but it was a good time and it was a really cool thing. And I'm, I'm really happy we did it. What's the name of the place? Uh, let me check real fast. I've got Google maps up. I can go pull it up. I don't, I don't remember off the top of my head. It's in, uh, Wan. Uh, let me zoom in. TGI Friday. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh boy, I'm gonna butcher this name, <laughs> Lin Huang Kui. Okay. Yeah, in Shuangwan, uh, so pretty close to the ferry terminal to Macau. Nice. But it's like one of the authentic places that's always in the Michelin Guide, and it, it was cool to to go there. Excellent. Uh, you guys have any other questions? No, I'm good. Hey Kyle, I, I just want to say that uh, you were talking about. Tropicana and AC, and whether Asians like it or not. I, I'll say, as an Asian, I like it. So, oh. <laughs> <laughs> they've got one. They've got one. 
<laughs> Who visits three times a year. Well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm part Asian and I don't really like it. Okay. So I don't know. It's like only counts as three quarters for, I guess. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for taking the time to do this with us. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. Thank you again for, for allowing me to come on and talk about Hong Kong and Macau and the trip I had. Yeah, it's great. Thank you. We really appreciate it. Um, it's, uh, it helps build it, the excitement uh, for, for our upcoming stuff. At least I know it does for me. Um, so yeah, super fun. And I'm glad it sounds like you had a, had a good time. Yeah, and I, I, I certainly hope that you guys have a, an easy flight out there, as easy as a, that long flight can be. And, and I hope you have a good time and are as lucky at the tables as I was. Yeah, that would be nice. Yes, that please. would definitely be nice. Yes, <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. And um, I believe the next time you'll hear from us, we will be in Macau. So that's going to be pretty exciting. All right. Uh, we'll cut it there. Um, Thank you again. This, just so you know, uh, this is going to air, quote unquote, uh, on the sixth of March, so two weeks from today, uh, okay. which will be the. This is going to be the last thing, the last thing we post before we go. So, um, yeah, th- uh, that should be fun. Cool. Well, I like I said, I hope you guys have a great time. I think you will. So, <laughs> I think we will too. I'm looking forward to it very much. Like I said, the only killer is the flight. I mean, it's Ugh. a long flight, no matter uh. what. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what you're Indeed. talking about. I'm going to be sleeping like a baby in, in business. So. Mm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so is Eric. I, I will say business class is a million times better than coach for a flight of that length, but it still was not a pleasant experience for me. It was just infinitely more pleasant than it would have been in coach. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. Well, we all get we all get there at the same time, right, guys? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, thanks again for doing this. Really appreciate it. All right. Th- thank you very much. And thanks, Kyle. Thanks, Kyle. Have a good one. Take it easy. Hi again. Uh, this is Hunter. Uh, we realized after that we finished our recording that we did not give Kyle uh, a chance to plug the website for his podcast. Do for a win is available at doforawin.com. So if you'd like to hear more from Kyle. You can go there and check it out. They've got a whole episode about his visit to Macau, plus a lot of regular material about Atlantic City and other gambling destinations. So go check that out. Enjoy. Doforawin.com. Thanks for listening.